Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament Lectionary Podcast. I'm Rachel Wren, Assistant Professor of Biblical Studies at Trinity Lutheran Seminary at Capital University. And I'm Rosie Canethel, PhD candidate in Hebrew Bible at Emory University. This week, we are bringing you preaching tips on the biblical text for Sunday, March 5th, the second Sunday in Lent. And Rachel, you're up to lead us through this week's text, Genesis 12, verses 1 through 4a. Where are you going to take us? Well, so, okay, Genesis 12 is a great chapter. It's a classic. It's been in all sorts of different scholarly works, theological works, Bible work stuff. And yet when I saw it on the docket that I was going to be preparing it, I did have kind of this feeling of like, ah, again. (laughs) Now, again, it's not that I don't like it. It's a great chapter. But there are certain portions of the Bible that come up often enough that you start to think, seriously, what could I possibly find new to say about this one? And Genesis 12 is one of those texts for me, especially in a Lutheran context. I mean, this chapter is in like probably one of the top 10 maybe even top five important texts for Lutherans. I don't know if that's true in your like Episcopalian or previous denomination, but this one is like Lutheran central. <laughs> yeah, I, I ha- don't think I know enough about the Episcopalian um, denomination to say I'm kind of a newer Episcopalian. But yeah, I mean, Genesis 12 comes up in the lectionary pretty often. And like you said, it's one of these foundational texts, the call of Abraham, right? So yeah, yeah. it's like uh, both in Jewish and Christian tradition, like you can't, get much more central than that. So I definitely understand why you've seen this one quite a number of times. (laughs) Right, exactly. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm here, I'm prepping it for this, uh, this episode. And I had that thought of how could I possibly find something new to say? And the Holy Spirit was like, well, challenge accepted, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) Well, when you know, the Holy Spirit is uh, leading the charge, we're not really sure where we might go. So, (laughs) all right, hang on, folks. (laughs) Right. So this is not only the Holy Spirit leading the charge, but Holy Spirit and Rachel leading Through the charge. Through Rachel. So no, <laughs> Put your seatbelts on. <laughs> so, so here's the thing. Um, speaking of unexpected directions, the direction that I took on this was a bit unexpected in terms of Rachel Wren, because <laughs> where I ended up was actually at a place of like really appreciating having a lectionary on this one, specifically hmm. a revised common lectionary. Um, because... Having Genesis 12 in conversation with other texts from the Bible showed me something in Genesis 12 that I hadn't thought of before. So that's the first unexpected direction. Hurrah for the Revised Common Lectionary. Right. Hurrah for RCL. (laughs) So if you put Genesis 12 on its own, it's such a short text. This pericope is not even four verses. It's one through four A. And there's so much that's already been said about it that it's really hard to hear what else or what new God might be doing with it. And I say that intentionally, preachers, and I hope you heard the shift. Earlier I said, how could I, emphasis on the I, possibly find something new to say? And that's not always the most helpful way to look at the preaching endeavor. It places all of the onus, all of the responsibility, all of the honor, if you will, on me and gives none of it to God. Now, inevitably, once I stop looking at preaching as a thing that I am doing, and instead view it as a thing that God is showing me, things go a lot better. So so that's my preaching point and suggested title for you this week. 
God shows us stuff. <laughs> God shows us stuff. You heard it here, folks. <laughs> Write that one down. No. <laughs> but let's see what yeah. God shows us, huh? There you go. Right. Exactly. <laughs> Maybe we can come up with something better before the end of the episode. But so, so here's the thing. And, and here's my confession of appreciation for the lectionary. When I saw that the gospel text for the day was John 3, I immediately went, ah, Nick at night, which <laughs> is what my dear New Testament professor Craig Kefter used to call Nicodemus and what today's students don't understand because they never saw Nick at night. Mm. But there's a really delightful play in this chapter in John between light and darkness, what is seen and unseen, and understanding and misjudgment. And, and yes, I promise I'm bringing this back to Genesis 12, but just hang with me in, here in the New Testament for a bit. In John 3, all of these topics are played with in light of the image of vision. So Nicodemus comes at night when things are hidden, when it's harder to see. But Nicodemus starts by proclaiming that he knows things, and knowledge is often euphemized by sight in the Bible. But Jesus immediately claps back that Nicky can't actually see anything, and then gives an extended rant on how sight in God's ecosystem is intricately linked to love. So with these images of sight and vision in the Nicodemus story, I read Genesis 12, 1 through 4 again. And what stuck out to me was something in that very first verse. God says, Lech lecha, go from here to the land that I will show you. And that word show in Hebrew is in what we call the hephil. And that means that you could translate it, the land that I will cause you to see. And I, I really love to hear a sermon that takes seriously the idea that God causes us to see things. And the things that we see can change our lives. A sermon maybe that takes seriously the idea that Abraham doesn't just obey God like we normally preach it, but that God actually causes Abraham to see something. God sets a vision for Abraham. And it's that vision that really compels him to take a step into this life that God <laughs> is showing him. Yeah, that's not something that I had seen until you'd pointed it out. I mean, I love right. the idea of thinking about vision in this more expansive way. So do you have any preaching pitfalls that you'd like to lift up? Yeah, I do. And it's a preaching pitfall that actually leads to another sermon angle or at least a related sermon angle. It would be a pitfall to lean too heavily into connecting sight and understanding and conversely, a lack of sight and ignorance, um, at least today. Uh, let me give an example. I've had a student before who struggled with vision issues, but she had no problems with understanding. She has a sharp mind and is a gifted writer. But when we lift up blindness as a synonym for ignorance, we really do a disservice to those folks in the pew who struggle with normative vision and yet mm. are very smart people. Moreover, we also cut up at the knees, so to speak, the idea that perhaps what we would call disability, the lack of normative vision, might be experienced as something else by the folks who have it, perhaps even a, a blessing. Take the story in Mark 8, for example, where Jesus cures a blind man at Bethsaida. It's a fascinating story for several reasons. One, because Jesus uses his spit to do it. And I'm sorry, that's just gross. It just triggers my gag reflex. I can't help it. But once I get past that, more importantly, once he laid hands on the man, Jesus asked him, can you see anything? Mm. And the man looks up at him and says, I can see people, but they look like trees walking. And that verse just really strikes me because so often in the biblical text, 
God's people are imagined as trees. And Mm. life is imagined as a path that they either stand by or walk on. You know, Psalm 1 pictures God's faithful as trees planted by streams of water. But those trees do not walk, stand, or sit in the pathway of the wicked. That's just one example, but there are others in the Bible as well. And so for just a moment, when this man who could not see the way the people around him saw, when he was touched by Jesus, the man saw the people around him as trees walking. And I kind of wonder, for just a moment, could he see the way that God sees? For just a moment, could he see beyond the veil of reality to something true about the essence of those around him? It's kind of wondering, did Jesus like fail to cure him the first time? Did it just not work? Did he more spit or whatever? Growth? Or did he give him the gift of sight? Did he cause him to see something, if we're going back to our Hiphil from Abraham, that nobody else around him could see? And then that makes me wonder, if so, how did that vision change the way he saw, air quotes, for the rest of his life? Hmm. His disability and God working through his disability allowed him to see something that no one else around him could see. People, like trees, walking. And I think for this text, the sight that Jesus offers us is a God-given sight. And so it's unexpected. It comes through saliva and mud. It comes at night instead of in the daytime. It comes in a deity showing up to an old man and saying, Lech lecha, to the land that I will cause you to see. I think the sermon angle is that God is constantly at work showing us a vision in our lives. And I can imagine sermons that where you flesh out that vision for your folk, where you paint the picture of what God is causing us to see until like the preaching hall is brimming with it and it fills your people out the door and into the world beyond lech lecha to the places that God is showing them. Hmm. Yeah, this seems like an opportunity to really put the preaching point into action. Um, as folks are preparing the sermon this week, I, I could really see it as a, a an opportunity to maybe invite folks to vision together, right? And to kind of walk in this God-given insight. I'm not even sure what yeah. this is anymore, right? It's a it's almost a metaphor for seeing um not in the ways that we imagine as humans limited by just our eyes, but a vision that, um, yeah, like the Holy spirit today, just kind of showing you what to talk about. Right. And so that kind of also involves some trust. Yeah, it really does. And, you know, and I think that commute piece is so important too, because what you see quote unquote will be different from what I see, But my sight or insight will always be limited if I cut off what you have to offer. I think a a neat opportunity could be to actually go to people in your community, in your church, who struggle with sight, perhaps who have some level of blindness, and ask them how God works in their vision or through their their ability to see or their ability to see differently. And, And what sort of preaching illustrations that might lift up too, that otherwise we just pass by. Yeah. Love that idea. Well, folks, that will do it for First Reading this week. Remember, you can find an episode on just about every passage in the lectionary by using the handy-dandy search box on our website at firstreadingpodcast.com. While you're there, take a peek at our merch or make a donation to help keep the podcast going. Don't forget to subscribe wherever you get podcasts. And if you found this helpful, 
Would you consider taking a couple of minutes to leave a review on Apple or Spotify or wherever you find us? That will help us get the word out to new listeners and grow our community. Of course, the best way to spread the word is to share your favorite episodes with the Bible lovers in your life. Thanks for taking the time to do that. And until next time, I'm Rosie Candethel. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching. <laughs>